Hi, this is Jessalyn Etchell, and you're listening to my podcast, Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. In this series, I interview my favorite women on their topics of passion in an effort to connect us so that we remember that women supporting women is our greatest strength. I want to live in a world where women build each other up instead of tear each other down. And this podcast, in addition to the in-person women's circles I lead, are my offering towards this vision. Thanks so much for listening. Today I am speaking with Erin Tedarenko, originally from Canada, but talking to us from Australia. Erin works as a professional mind and body leadership coach with individuals and corporations. She has her master's in psychology of coaching and a bachelor's in kinesiology kinesiology, and she's also a yoga teacher. Her experience extends to working with international facilitation teams on globally recognized development programs. She integrates mind and body and has created a coaching approach that empowers people to experience inner fulfillment while doing purposeful work. Today, Erin's going to talk to us about how to strengthen your connection with self. Welcome, Erin. Thanks, Jesslyn. Thanks so much for having me. I'm feeling really blessed and grateful to be here. Yay, I'm excited too. So let's just take a moment to set our connection with one another. Um, and everyone that's listening can join in. And we'll do that with a few breaths. So find your seat, find your center, and take a breath in through the nose. And exhale out the mouth or out the nose. And take a couple more like that. Just creating this connection between us as we chat. And also taking time to center ourselves. May each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. And may each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Erin, what is your favorite thing about being a woman? Wow. Um, I guess it's that ability to innately tap into the feminine qualities of um, nurturing compassion and empathy. Beautiful. So your topic for today is to how to strengthen your connection to self. And so I'd like to start with you chatting a little bit about your own story, because if that's what you're sharing with the world, I know that it's because it's something you've walked, a path that you've been on yourself. So just tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so about nine years ago, I first learned a lesson that really impacted my life, um, when that completely transformed the way I live and lead. Um, so in this particular story, um, it's actually a reflect reflection of a time that I tried to be it all and, and often do it all and let it come at a really great sacrifice to myself. Um, so it was a really busy time. I found myself, 
following a path um, that wasn't my own, um, but was the result of my choosing. So I was quite driven in ambition and um, had this really um, inner dialogue voicing that it's not enough. So it was this continuous need to achieve that followed in my behavior. Um, I was really scared of ambiguity, losing control, um, and particularly emotional exposure. So I found my solace in pushing myself even harder, and so I did. Um, and what happened was that um, as my life got busier, the the body started showing signs of breakdown. Um, and what I realized was, although I thought I was taking care of myself, on it was really on a superficial level. And so actually I was numbing my feelings, um, as I mentioned, filling moments with doing and and not listening to my body's need for rest. Um, so eventually the stress ailments, they, they showed up in my body and, and forced me to slow down. And um, what I recognized was that there were a lot of um, patterns that I had that I had um, taken into my life um, in terms of thinking patterns and behavioral patterns. And so from this space of reflection, some growth emerged and I noticed how I had hooked into the belief systems of society um, and the resulting inner conflict that arises from acu accumulating unexamined truths. Um, I discovered the ways in which I judged myself and a lot of the idealistic expectations I had that influenced my fears and choices and eventually my health. Um, so what I recognized was I really needed to redefine success on my own terms. Um, and in this space, I found practices like yoga, um, mindfulness, and um, eventually self-compassion, which came a little bit later on. And I can talk more to that because that's, that's a really powerful thing that's come into my life. Yeah, let's definitely... I want to get to the practices, but I want to hear a little bit more because what I'm hearing you say is coming from a place of post-reflection. Like you've gone through the the stuff and you've identified it and you know that the, your body was telling you, you know, like your body was giving you signals in your mind and your thought patterns and things. But um, tell me the thing that really was the moment that you went, oh, wow, I'm not at all connected to myself because... What I'm hearing you say is the intellectual version of when you kind of went back over it, but I'm guessing in the moment it looked a little bit different, and I'm kind of curious to explore that with you. Absolutely, yeah. So in the moment it looked um, very different. So um, what it showed up as is um, I was actually studying a master's for a di different career decision, mm -hmm. and I had worked so hard for it. Um, and a lot of things led me there, but they were really um, taken from outside of myself. So um, I had gone traveling right before I did the master's, which really enlivened me and opened me up. So when I came back into it, I knew in that orientation week that it wasn't right. I knew it. Um, so there was a lot of feelings and um, 
thoughts that said this isn't right, but I couldn't make that decision. And so I put pressure on myself to stay with it. And each day I, I would be studying this intense program and each day I would come home and just drill myself with problem solving. Um, so I wasn't sleeping. I started seeing um, wounds that weren't healing in my body. And so my immune system was severely compromised. Um, started judging myself for that, really feeling the ugliness of it. Um, and again, just trying to fix and do more. Because what I wanted to do was do things that I loved on top of it, but it really was just filling my plate even even more. Um, so it felt like deep sadness some days. It felt like a lot of criticism. I remember seeing someone in my program who was just so lit up. And when I saw that person, there's this extreme jealousy, like, I want that. Mm-hmm. But it came out as like, that that person's really keen, you know, like it came out as this sort of like, almost like a joke, like a like a teasing of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, when really it was just, it was this, this, it was a voice in my head that said that like, you want that, but it, it, it didn't feel possible where I was. Yeah, so that person was following what was true for them being in the program, and it just wasn't for you at that time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you can't look around and see, see someone else's, see your path in someone else's. So, right. you know, that's what I was doing. I was looking around. Um, and really, all the answers were right there. It was just the fear of the unknown. And, and the judgment around quitting and all those things that really paralyzed me into these, these cycles of um, unhelpful thoughts and deeper emotions that were really reflecting in my body just to, to try and give me cues to align myself. So was yoga the first place that you really went to find a little bit of comfort in the body? You know what? It's interesting because um, I actually went, I went to my mom a lot um, who was working in mental health at at the time and she had a lot of tools to offer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would go for runs because that's what I did. (laughs) I would go for runs with, with friends and I would love talking about these topics in holistic health and psychology. And um, I didn't know what career that was at the time because I had studied um, more clinical psychology and I didn't feel like that was landing with me either. So um, I really liked what I was working with and I was doing a personal training at the time too. So I was running back and forth to that. Um, And so with yoga, I was interested in it because I had studied a little bit of it and I had been practicing a little bit of it, but I knew it on a, when I first met yoga, I wasn't ready to slow down. So it kind of irritated me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go and do some sport and go to the gym. And so the slowing down, um, I liked the idea of it, but I never could really stick to, um, a routine of it. Well, yeah, it sounds like 
the running was working for you because it was in line with everything else that was going on in your world, which is to push and to keep going and to try harder. Absolutely. Totally. Um, so the yoga was what I needed and what I was resisting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, I guess once this was all happening, I knew I wanted to study more yoga, but it was more like I wanted to be able to assist clients with their bodies. You know, I didn't really think of it in this holistic way. Um, and then it kept coming up and I met it again. Um, when I did need it the most, uh, maybe a year later, after a lot of these health things started to show up more, um, more deeply in the immune system. And it was the right timing for me because I was open to, I was open to everything that it offered. Right. Because I just touched on the body, but as you mentioned, it's a holistic practice, so it can help us on all the levels. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you touched on, um, you said yoga, you also touched on, um, self-compassion and mindfulness. Do you want to go into a little bit more about those things? With yoga for me, yoga has really ignited that attitude of inner investigation. So as I mentioned before, it was a lot of like problem solving and like judgment. Um, whereas yoga's offered me this space of curiosity and openness. Um, so I really believe that the body is this is a vehicle for transformation. And, you know, when we develop self-awareness, we create opportunities for shift. Um, and for me that, that works towards more conscious living. Um, and so it's allowed me to tap into the wisdom of the body. Whereas before I feel like I was using, the body as a tool to do more. Mm-hmm. Instead of and listening. I want, yeah, listening. And I wanted to keep it healthy, um, my version of healthy at the time, so it could do more for me. And so it could fill my needs um, on a superficial level. But as I explored my body through the yoga practice, I realized that there was a lot more wisdom there than I was paying attention to. I started, um, I know mindfulness is a big component of yoga. So my exploration with mindfulness is at the theoretical level and um, also on the embodied level of of putting it into practice. Um, Mindfulness has given me so many tools that I can take off the mat. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also in my facilitation work and in my coaching work, um, it's given me a broader language that's useful in meeting people where they're at. Um, because I do meet people that, you know, yoga is a bit intimidating. Um, so it, it gives me language and tools to offer them to connect more deeply with themselves and the moment and to really, um, really be present to, um, what the body's saying and also be present to, to the thoughts in the mind without getting hooked into them and recognize which ones are helpful and which ones align them with their values and goals. Mm-hmm. Because yoga is a way to practice mindfulness formally, yoga and meditation, but then you can use mindfulness in your whatever you do in life, right? Any task that you take on, you can do mindfully. Absolutely. I know for me, I feel really present when I'm on my bike. Mm-hmm. And I know for others, 
um, there's there's certain situations and activities that really bring them into their present moment, their flow space. And for some people, you know, I live in a surf community. A lot of people that surf, being in nature and being present to the rhythms of the the ocean and of their own body meeting that. So, yeah, there's so many different ways in which you can tap into that. So I like to be able to um, connect with that on a personal level, but also um, invite people to see where mindfulness is already happening in their lives and how they can use tools to bring that into more areas of their life. Mm, yeah, that's nice. Just enhance what they're already doing and, and name it as mindfulness. Yeah. And then look at where they, they go offline, as in where they where they check out and get into the imagination or the fantasy space mm. and um, be curious with that. So rather than from a place of judgment, it's from a place of interesting um, and, and gathering more information from that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with self-compassion, I really met the practice about five years ago. Um, and I believe that one of the most important things we can do in our lives is to be, be a friend to ourselves. Um, and I think of it as more than self care. Um, it's self love and this, this deep sense of wanting the best for ourselves, honoring our true selves and treating ourselves as if we're our own best friends. Um, and so the way I met it was um, while studying my master's. Um, it came up in, in positive psychology. And we had an opportunity to pick a, a tool in this space to, to study more deeply and to actually um, study within ourselves and, and really put those practices, um, bring them into our own lives. So um, I was initially attracted to the concept of self-compassion for various reasons. Firstly, as I mentioned, um, I have a history of high standards for myself. And as a result, was noticing how often I um, I doubted my skills and abilities and that, that not enough story was coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to feel like I'm my own ally, really. Um, so something was drawing me deeper into this topic. Um, and of course I, I was aware of how self-critical I could be. And even though I had deeply met that critic four years prior, um, I knew that there was still some stuff there and some interesting things to look at and kind of surface, I guess, some wounds that were still, um, still in at deeper layers of myself. So, um, and I noticed I could really take on a lot of responsibility during failure. Um, and sometimes not even want to look that direction. Um, yeah. So self-compassion really changed my life. Um, so I started studying it and doing the practical exercises around it. And, um, this, situation came up where I hosted a workshop at a yoga studio I was teaching at and um, there was a a participant that was um, quite overwhelmed with emotion in the beginning so um, 
and she she needed to leave the room. Um, and I went and spoke with her and brought her back into the room, but was really shaken by the experience. I really took that on um, and took responsibility that I didn't prepare her well enough for the group. And so that was kind of going on in my head. And then I, I remember feeling this um, almost like I wasn't there. I was so in my emotions that for like five minutes I was talking, but I really didn't know what I was saying. Um, and then, you know, I kind of gathered myself, grounded myself and went on with the rest of the workshop. And um, at the end of it, I had things to do. Um, you know, I was <laughs> going to a birthday and doing social things and I didn't give myself that time to really sit with the experience of holding space, facilitating, and what I was going through in that space too. And so the next day I woke up with this real heaviness, um, this heaviness in my body. And that inner critic was so loud. And I was just kind of like, you know, I was hearing things like, you wasted their time, you charged them too much, um, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I was just feeling that um, that deep critic on top of the pain and suffering that was already there. And so I was in this, I was learning about this practice of self-compassion and I had the tools. So I said, okay, here we go. And what I did was I wrote myself a letter from this place of love and um, as if I was, you know, my own best friend. And I, I read it and it brought up so much emotion, so much sadness, tears. And then I, um, I recorded that as well in my own voice and I listened to it again and it brought out some more. And so what I, I really connected to what was happening for me, how I was doing that in that moment, but also how I'd been doing that for a while. And so, um, yeah, it was just this opening of how I can be there for myself during times um, of suffering. Yeah, sounds like a powerful experience. So you wrote to yourself from a place of understanding and compassion and love, just like you mentioned, being your best friend and being very kind to yourself. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was so different. Like it was, it was words like, you did your best and you know your the intention of where you were coming from was so pure and it came from love and you wanted to share these amazing tools and hold space for growth and um very different than <laughs> very what you've been saying when you woke up yeah than what I'd been holding actually for the most part of the day because it wasn't until I came home that um that I d started doing these practices. So that's a really great one. I'm curious if you have one other um, self-compassion practice to offer up because you mentioned that you worked through some things. So is there another gem that has been helpful for you? Absolutely. So even, um, so earlier this year, I had another release in the heart space. Um, and it kind of, I had these flashes of memories from a time where, you know, there was some grief happening and I mean, whether it's just a, a gentle, I mean, that one was a, a 
quite an intense situation, but that you can use this same tool that I'll be getting to in a simple, oh my gosh, I, I said the wrong thing, or oh my gosh, this is tough, like I'm in a conversation that is confronting. So you can use these tools in the moment with you know, less intense things or really intense releases. Mm-hmm. Um, so the example I'll share is with a more intense release is that I was feeling, um, yeah, a lot of stuff coming up in the heart space. Um, and it was triggered by just words of, well, you're not perfect, kind of a um, a conversation with my partner. And I was like, it, just just hearing that, um, because of a, um, a day I had had that, that became a trigger for me. And what I, and I was also really doing practices for the heart space and I was directing my yoga practices there and really feeling that out. And so when this release arrived, I just felt this intense sadness and this like sobbing, like a little girl, you know, like it, it reminded me of when I was a little girl. And so it was, yeah, a lot of sobbing, like that kind of ugly cry where you're like, <laughs> there's like stuff coming out of your nose and, yep. um, and, uh, and I, I mean, and no, Erin, I... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Never happened before. Mm. When you were free. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting there and it was so interesting cause I could, I, I could hold the two things there. I could hold the little girl and the real fear and the grief that was coming up. And I could also be the witness in that experience, um, the wiser um, me that exists today with some tools. So um, in that space, I realized, okay, I asked myself, what do I need? Mm. And, you know, that's the first thing. What do I need? Like I'm, I'm in it, like a recognized Sorry, that's not the first thing. The first thing is recognizing you're in it, you know, recognizing you're feeling suffering. You're in, you're in an intense emotion. Um, and then the second thing is was really for me is what do I need? And so what I needed was a hand on the heart. So I offered that. And, you know, that touch and that soothing hand can be very powerful. So you can do that in in moments throughout the day, just a hand on the heart or the abdomen, wherever you need that hand. Um, and so I held that space and that allowed me to feel deeply into it rather than to judge it and stop it because mm-hmm. it, it needed to release. And then it got even more intense and I was like, Hmm, what do I need again? And there was more, I actually needed to hold my hand, which has actually never come up for me, but that's, that's what I needed. You hold your own hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually, that was really powerful and soothing and allowed me to just release whatever else needed to get released. Mm. Um, and so I felt safe in that place. I didn't feel judged. I felt like vulnerability was um, the appropriate thing mm-hmm. and to feel. Yeah. So I'm curious because from the way that you're talking, um, it, it makes me believe that you are pretty tuned in to what your body needs and is asking for. And I think that's wonderful. Um, 
tell me about some of the tools to get to that body awareness. And maybe you've sort of already addressed it with the yoga and mindfulness, but um, if someone is out there and they're feeling like, okay, I'm super disconnected from my body um, yeah. and my emotions and I'm just not, I'm not connected to self, what would be sort of like the baby step that someone could take to start to reignite or, or, or reestablish that connection? Yeah, I love that. That's, um, that's a great question. And it's important because, you know, going to the place that I described, um, is advanced level stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also for some people, it's like, Whoa, I'm not ready for that. You know? Um, and there will be times when I am not ready for that. Like, I don't want to be in that space when I'm in a facilitation role or when, you know, I need to kind of hold myself in that space and come back to it. Right. So, yeah. So what I, what I love to do, um, and I offer this as a, as a tool on my website as well as, um, a simple head, heart, body check-in. Can we do it together? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So I head, heart, body, that feels, that feels nice. That feels light for me. Um, it might feel a little bit more for others. So, so use whatever language feels right. And, um, yeah, like, um, practice this, practice this, um, on your own and, um, at whatever depth you want. So, um, for the headspace, I just check in and I'll ask you to check in too, is like, what do you notice? Um, is happening at the thought level where where are your thoughts um, taking you are they in the past are they in the future are they in fantasy are they problem solving so it's just noticing where your thoughts are at okay and for me I'm pretty tuned into our conversation right now but um, you know just before the call I the thoughts that arose in my head were things like, you know, like the specifics around, um, will I like, what will this be like? Um, a lot of questions. Um, will I know what to say? Will I have the right, um, will I be able to speak clearly? Will I have the right answer? So it was really a lot of questions around how I'm going to show up. Mm -hmm. So that's what I noticed at my head level. Okay. Do you want me to share too? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Um, So for me, I'm also paying attention to what you're saying, um, but my thoughts are um, also going to, okay, where will the conversation go next and what will be my next question? So that's kind of what came up for me. Awesome. So we hold that with curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so we just get really curious with interesting, though that's where my thoughts are going. That's what's dominating um, on that thinking level. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then we move into the heart space, um, and that's that feeling space. So um, we notice, like, what what am I what am I feeling? And for me, I'm feeling I'm feeling very um, content, very grateful, um, and actually quite. I have this feeling of confidence and feeling on purpose because um, I really enjoy these these topics and, and talking with, um, like-minded souls and, and particularly women. Um, so 
Yeah, those are some of the feelings that I'm feeling on the emotional level. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things to do with my day. And so I'm feeling the, the gratitude of that. I'm always kind of giddy when I get to talk to people and know that this will then soon be shared with other people who will get to hopefully benefit um, on the heart space level. I mean, I really am hoping that that's the kind of connection that people are feeling when they listen. Yeah, awesome. And again, we hold that too and and really honor it. And the way we honor it is just by making room for it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And And the way we make room for it might be breathing into it and really letting letting it be there within this place of acceptance. Nice. Yeah. And then, and then we move into the body space, which we're already in, but it's just really feeling how that shows up in our body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we notice sensations, how our, how our feelings show up as sensations. Um, and might even notice our posture um, might even notice a bit around our physiology, like how our breathing is, how our heart rate is, um, maybe the temperature um, on our skin or, or if there's breeze on our skin, um, how our clothing touches our body. So we just move into that sensation space. Um, and for me, when I talk about some of the emotions I was feeling around gratitude and and this space of confidence and on purpose I feel this opening at my my chest and my heart Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I feel um this relaxation come down on my shoulders I feel them sort of sort of drop when I'm aware of those feelings um and sometimes I feel this like a little bit of a lift at the chest to kind of this, not a moving forward, but just sort of a a lift rather than a forward drop, which I find myself in quite a bit, just kind of shrugging forward. So it's more of a, just a gentle lift. Hmm. So for me, I was, um, it was interesting because I almost thought maybe this was a heart space or a feeling, but then I kind of re-evaluated and it, it's a physical sensation, and so it's something that I'm holding um, gratitude and excitement and pleasure for doing this work. But then um, my body is actually a little bit heavy and achy. I am mm-hmm. fighting off successfully um, the flu that's been going around. I've been exposed more times than I can count, and I started to kind of feel it a couple of days ago. And so I feel that in my body, um, but I'm also feeling that I'm winning. (laughs) I mean, it literally feels like a battle sometimes, especially when I know that I was just surrounded by it all weekend long. Everyone has been sick, um, including, you know, people at the office and people I work with. So, um, that's happening in my body, which, um, it's interesting to hold those two things to be, you know, passionate and excited, but also know that your body is sort of doing its best to keep you physically healthy. Yeah. I love that. Because we have to hold a lot of things in life, actually. I mean, there's not really a time that we're not juggling various emotions and feelings and sensations at once. Totally. And I think 
um, as you speak, I, I can fully resonate with that because I know like that part of me that's ambitious and likes to do and likes to be around people a lot and, and like stimulation still exists. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can go on a program and be surrounded by people for two weeks at a time and feel that energy really feel amazing. And I can come back and want to be surrounded by people again, want to go to the co-working space and want to um, enjoy people's energy. And I can also notice the duality that exists around me wanting to be in the energy and stimulated space and also notice that I'm a bit tired because I haven't had alone time. Mm -hmm. So I think these practices have given me um, permission to recognize there's a part of me that could be around people and do, do, do. And I do thrive in that space. But also, I need to be really disciplined around what I need in terms of alone time, meditation, yoga, um, rest. So Erin, I want to hear a little bit more, maybe just one or two more practices that just facilitate connection to self. Yeah, like... Um, well, drawing onto the head, heart, body, I have a technique that I offer. It's called AMEN um, because it's an acronym for AMEN. And I've got a, um, an ebook on my website that you can access. And it is, AMEN um, means so be it. So it's just, it's holding that. It's holding what it is mm -hmm. um, lightly. And so for the awareness, for A, it's the awareness piece. And you do the head, heart, body check-in at whatever level you're at. I think, you know, with practice, you notice more. Mm -hmm. Sure. So it can be a quick head, heart, body check. And, um, and then you move down into the M, which is meaning. And you simply ask your question, yourself the question, what's important about being here now? Mm. Um. So, for example, if I did that before I was going into a meeting, you know, um, I might just check in and notice that on the head level, I'm um, I'm thinking about um, maybe what was happening at home right before I entered the meeting. So I'm, I'm aware of that, right? In my heart space, I might feel um, maybe a little bit of nervousness, like um, this is a big meeting, this is an important meeting. Um, so I might feel a little bit maybe nervous, but also maybe excited because those feelings can kind of feel similar. Um, and then as I go into the body, I might notice, you know, my heart rate is elevated a bit um, and I'm breathing a little bit more short and shallow. And then so I go into the me the M part and the meaning part and I say, what's important about being here now? And I might notice, you know what, um, what's important is that I get that I speak my truth and I listen, I listen. Um, and I'm open to wherever this meeting goes, but also there's certain things that I, I would like to say. So perhaps I request some time at the beginning of the meeting, but I just notice, and I might notice one of my values and my values might be around listening and honesty. So those two behaviors go with it speaking my truth, listening to others. Um, and then you go into the E space, which is expectations. And I notice, what am I expecting here? And I might be holding the expectation that 
um, I want a particular result or that other people will listen and speak their truth. And, and maybe I need to be a little light with that expectation. So you ask yourself too, is that expectation worth holding on to? And I might realize, well, I can't expect that from others without requesting it. Um, and I can't expect that from others because I don't know what their agenda is yet. And so um, I might I might let that go temporarily. Um, and then you go to the N, which is needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and needs is about what do I need? And do I need to make any requests from others or myself? So you can t- continue that expectation and say, okay, what I need is um, I need to request some time to speak so I make sure that I can say what I want to say. So I'm going to take that request from others. And maybe what I need from myself is permission to feel safe um, and vulner- and be vulnerable and committed to, to speaking my truth. And maybe what I need is some grounding exercises um, or just to offer myself self-compassion if I do speak um, my truth and there's some opposition. Mm. So yeah, there's just... that question again, what do I need that you were referencing earlier? And um, that makes me think of, I mean, that's the response we would want from a friend. I imagine if we're having a hard time or if we need support, we would want someone to ask us, what do you need? How can I help? And so um, I like the idea of uh, asking yourself that question and seeing if you can provide that need or at least ask for it. Totally. And I, I like that you said that too, because that's a great example. Recently, I, um, I needed to call a friend and, and in that space, I just needed to share something that was happening for me. And I, I recognized that what I really needed and wanted from her was for her to listen, um, until I finished. And that would be really helpful because I was processing something and so what I did was I call, I messaged her and said, is it okay if I call you? She said, yes. And I said, um, can I please request that you listen to what I, what I am saying? I don't need, um, anything else, but for you to listen, um, because I'm processing something and she knew, she knew what I needed from her. So she knew how she could support me and she could then attend to that by saying yes or no and of course she said yes she's a great friend and then it was wonderful because um I knew what I needed I was able to request it I had I was aware of how I was feeling and then you know we could both feel um feel like we were honoring that yeah wonderful yeah it's good to have those kind of friends that will know what you need and be able to hold space for that yeah. So Aaron, I'm curious if you have any other things that you wanted to cover that we didn't get a chance to chat about um, regarding strengthening your connection to self, anything that you wanted to add? Um, I guess, I guess it's just about paying attention to yourself and um, noticing and recognize that the body is giving us information all the time. And and it's it's helpful, you know, if we if we really are curious with ourselves and accepting of what information it's giving us, 
Um, even if it's those emotions that feel feel difficult to feel, like jealousy or anger, if we really pay attention to it from this place of um, curiosity and love, um, then we can find out a lot of information. And, you know, if I take that back to the first example where I noticed that guy in my program that was really alive and in his purpose, if I was curious with that emotion, oh, interesting, I'm, I'm feeling jealousy. Um, what's that about? I would have noticed, you know, he's alive and that's something I want. How do I feel alive? And um, it might not have made that decision easier at the time, but it would have been, it would have been helpful to have more, more of that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a reminder that once you have reconnected with self, it's not like, okay, done. <laughs> I, you know, I, I figured that out. I checked that box. It's an ongoing process. One where you always have to be listening and asking questions and getting curious. Totally paying attention to yourself throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I always end with a f- couple of fun questions. So I'm curious, Erin, what's your favorite yoga pose? That's definitely dynamic. I do really love balancing kind of flying style postures. So I love a a transition from a nice seated pose to a um, to a warrior three, maybe into a a lunge. So those kind of like that nice grounding to flying to grounding. Nice. Yeah. Um, what about one book that changed your life? Eastern Body, Western Mind. Oh, good one. Anno Dea Judith. Yeah, that's a great one. That blew my mind open as well. Like, what? It's amazing, the connection between everything. <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, and then I also realized that um, one of the reasons that Aaron and I connected, which I hadn't shared, is that we took the off the mat into the world uh, leadership training together, and um, Aaron is got a podcast in the works. And so, if you want to just end with a little brief description about what that's going to be about, and then I will link um, the way to get in touch with you so that people can hopefully subscribe and start following your journey on your podcast. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Thank you. So. Um... It's a podcast um, for change leaders, um, conscious activists, innovators, philanthropists. It's people who believe that change starts from the inside out. Um, And those who are disrupting what's no longer working, um, including oppression, unhealthy habits that contribute to physical and mental illness, um, destruction to our planet. Um, So it's they're really out to do good for people in our planet. Um, and at the same time, bringing it back to self. So that is the intention. And that's who it for. That's who it's for. That's who's going to be interviewed. That's the audience it's intended for. Um, it's really to inspire consciousness through empowered storytelling, a personal transformation, courageous action, um, and sustainable service. And the reason why I say sustainable service is that we're Um, different than the story that I shared earlier that we're taking care of ourselves whilst we're in service so we're um, we're in a place that um, we're not burning out that we're we're really attending to ourselves um, and taking care of ourselves 
whilst we're um, in service to the world. Yeah, so important because if we don't, then we can't keep doing the work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to listening and thank you so much, Erin, for sharing today and for really, um, I mean, this is a perfect example of how important stories are for you sharing what you've been through so that people can maybe hear and possibly resonate with some of it. The storytelling is so powerful. And then just thanks for doing the work because you're walking the walk and that's sometimes the hardest, but the most important thing to do when we're stepping into this role of sharing is to be doing the work ourselves. Thank you so much. And um, it's always interesting for me because I'm usually in the um, the coach or facilitation role. So I'm usually hearing other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it reminded me of how excited I am to host you on the upcoming podcast as well, because I feel the same about you and I can't wait to um, talk about your story. Hooray. All right. Well, thanks, Erin. Uh, take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.